0: We're starting a brand new series, as you noticed on the front of our, front of our, our handout. Uh, we're starting a new series called Essentials, and we believe God has called us to live an abundant life, and we're on a journey toward that. We're, we're wanting to get to there. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the things that we need to have in our backpack uh, to help us live an abundant life, or maybe some things we need to take out of our backpack to help us live an abundant life. I don't know about you, but I'm an overpacker. If you're an overpacker, just raise your hand. If you're an overpacker, when you go on a trip, do you pack too much stuff? Oh, man, because I do. I think about everything. Well, what if we get there and it gets cold? Or what if it's raining? What if I don't have a charger? Not just luggage. Y'all, my backpack, I meant to bring it out here. It's about this big. It's small, but it is heavy because I've got a charger for everything. I've got a charger for, for devices I don't even own because you never know if somebody's going to need a charger and then you have it, right? I've got iPads and computers and just everything is in this, in this backpack. I'm an overpacker. So we want to talk about what are some things that we can take out of our backpacks, out of our luggage, out of our purse, and what are some things that we need to make sure we have in our luggage, our purse, our backpack for this this spiritual journey? That we're on. And we are on a journey, and it is a journey. It's not easy to get to abundant life. It takes work, it takes time. And that is what that's what we're here for. That's why the ministry is here. God, God says the Bible says the ministry is there for the perfecting of the saints to help you become everything that God wants you to be, for you to receive everything that God has for you. God wants what's best for you. I want you to believe that. God wants what's best for you. He wants you to have. full life. So the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about this. Most of you have heard of the Ten Commandments, but did did you know that when Jesus arrived on the scene and began his ministry, that the religious leaders at that time had added so many rules and regulations that the original Ten Commandments were about 600 now. There were some say 613 commandments that had been added to the original Ten Commandments. And so with this in mind, one day a religious teacher, a teacher of the law, asked Jesus, of all of the commandments, which one is most important? It's there in your notes. Jesus replied, Mark, 29, Mark 12, 29, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Just say that to the person beside you in the car. Say the Lord is one. Come on, say it. The Lord is one. I want to help some of you today. I want to help some of you that that God and the nature of God has been shrouded with mystery. Now, I want you to pay attention. I know there's a lot going on and people moving around, but I want you to listen to this. This is heavy on my heart that you hear this today. I want to help some of you that you feel like that you will never understand the context of God and who he is. I want you to know that, that things with God are very simple. They're not always easy, but they're very simple. Folks have complicated the word Godhead. Religion has complicated the word Godhead. Now, you may not know what the word Godhead means. Write it down. It's in your notes. Godhead would be this, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Godhead. This topic has split entire denominations on how people view the Godhead, trying to figure it out. I've, I've heard people say, I've heard pastors say, well, the Godhead is something that you can never explain. Yes, you can. And I'm going to explain it to you right here tonight because it's very simple. Then I hear folks say, but what about the scripture that talks about the mystery of the Godhead? First of all, you're misquoting a scripture. It's the mystery of godliness. It's not the mystery of the Godhead. The Godhead is not a mystery. And Jesus begins telling us about the Godhead. To understand the Godhead, you have to understand understand the nature of God. Remember, God has nature, he doesn't have character. Character is what we have. You see character can be has to be formed, right? Character can be tarnished. Nature just is. That's what God is. That's why God is good. God is love. He's not good because he does good things. He's not love because he loves you. He just is. That is his nature. And so Jesus tells us another part of God's nature in this passage. Explaining the Godhead is a two-part equation. In our text, Jesus gives the first part, and that is this. God is one. That will never change. Look at me. I know you're writing notes, but look at me. That will never change. Our God is one God. And then I hear the voices. But what about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? What about the three? How do you figure that out? And that's where the second part of God's nature come into play. John 4, 24 tells us that God is spirit. So in your notes, you have blanks there. God is one, and God is spirit, which means this. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He's here. He's in Baghdad. He's at your house. He's in California. He's everywhere at the same time. This explains the Godhead. This explains how, in a matter of a few verses, the Father speaks from heaven to Jesus You're my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Then the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove and rests on Jesus. This is how it explains it all. How could God be one and yet there be He's everywhere? At the same time, this is how Jesus can tell Satan, Do not tempt the Lord your God, and yet Jesus would pray to his Father. God is one, God is a spirit. This equation takes care of any question that anybody would ever have about the Godhead. I'm not a good preacher, but that's good preaching right there. Honk your horn if you agree with that. There's about four of you. That is terrible. Honk your horn. If you Okay, better. All right, settle down. That's enough. Good Lord. So Jesus says the first thing you need to have in your backpack is you need to understand that God is one. He's never going to be divided. He's always going to be one. And I want you to remember that. God is one. He alone is God. No one comes close to him. He alone is God. And then he goes on in Mark 12 and 30. And then he says, first of all, you need to know the Lord is one. And then love the Lord your God. With all your heart, your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Loving God is where everything begins. Listen to me. Loving God is the answer to everything. Did you know I would never have to teach on serving or worshiping or giving or helping or forgiving if you and I just fell in love with God? But how do you do that? I've asked myself that time many times. How do, you, how do you help people love something or somebody more? We're going to talk through that tonight. How do I love God? Number one, in your notes, write it down. How do, I, how do we love God? We have to want to love him. Number one, you have to want to love him. Desire is the biggest part of love. I want to love you. There's something in me. That I want to be around you more. I want to know more about you. There's this this desire. Kristen and I don't do marriage counseling anymore. We used to do it. Now we send folks to professionals. We'll pray for you. We'll spend time with you. But we're gonna let you go get some professional help. And and but when we used to sit with with couples and talk to them, the first question I would ask, and we would meet with people that were, man, they were close to the end. It was almost done. And and I learned after a few sessions with them, that the first question I have to ask is, do you love each other? And do you love each other enough to work this thing out? Because if they didn't, no matter how long I talked to them, it wasn't going to work out. You see, you have to want to. I want each of us to want to love him more. Do you know it's this way with, with, with loving Jesus? And it's this way with eating right, working out, having a relationship. If you don't have the want to, you won't. Kind of hear an amen from some folks. You have to have the desire. So I want to ask you today, do you want to love God? Do you? Is it in your heart? Because if you don't have the want to, let's not waste our time. Let's go get ice cream and food and hang out and play some more music. But if you have the want to, then you're going to go into a place with God that you've never been before. Once we have the want to, then comes the learning how to, which is my next point. And some of you may disagree with this, but give me a minute. Love is learned. Love is learned. In our text from Mark, Jesus was actually quoting a passage from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Listen to this impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. He's saying this is very important. I want you to teach this to your children. Why? Because love is learned. I have two boys. Those of you that have children, every single one of us think that our kids came into the world loving us. They didn't. They needed you. (laughs) But they had to learn how to love you. That's why it's a commandment. It's just like not stealing. Kids don't know you're not supposed to steal. You have to be taught don't steal, right? You have to be taught this. Love is the same way. That's why it's a commandment. That's why God says teach it to your children. Impress on them. Teach them. Repeat it to kids. I love my wife. Her name is Kristen. I I love her. But I had to learn how to love her. And I'm still learning After 26 years, I'm still learning how to love her. So I'm going to ask you this question. Not only do you have the want to, to love God, do you want to learn how to love him more? I know how much I love her, but how do I show her? You see, love is work. People ask Kristen all the time, how can I have a relationship like this? Work. That's how you do it. It's work. Well, it's the same way with your relationship with God. It takes work. And this is the purpose of the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines are in our life to teach us how to love God more. Here are some of the spiritual disciplines. They're in your notes. I want you to write them down. The scripture, first of all, the scripture, the Bible, the holy word of God. That's why I encourage you to read your Bible daily, to make it a a habit, make it something that you love, that you long for, you look forward to. Hearing the scripture preached, this is why we encourage you to come weekend gatherings. I I pray all week long, and our staff gives me a lot of time now that I can study the word and spend more time in message prep. And, And the reason we do that is so you can show up as a body, and we can hear what God is saying to us. The scripture, have a love for God's word, and it will teach you how to love him more. Prayer is another one. Prayer is just conversation. It's communion with God. It's time with him. It's, it's taking time to tell him how your day was and what you need for him, and then taking time to listen to him. Fasting is one. We'll talk about fasting more at, at, the, at the beginning of, of next year. We do something every year, uh, a time of prayer and fasting. Fasting is saying no to yourself so that you can say yes to God. That's what fasting is. It's, it's laying something down to spend more time with God. And then there's worship. Worship. Man, don't you love worship? I want to encourage you to develop personal worship in your life. I want you to become a worshiper in your home and in your car. Become a worship. Become someone. I'll tell you one of the greatest things that happened to me yesterday. One of my sons and I were driving somewhere, and, and he's always introducing me to new music. And, and I, we're listening to all kind of music, and it's rap, and there's country. And then all of a sudden, he said, listen to this, Dad. And it was a worship song that came on. And I was the proudest dad. I, lo- I enjoyed the rap. I enjoyed the country too. But I got to tell you, I was so proud of that moment because that meant my son was putting a moment of worship in his set list. I want to encourage you to do that. And then corporate worship. we're doing here when we sing out together and how great is our god echoes off of those hills can you imagine what that must be to god that we're not ashamed that we will stand out here in front of everybody and sing about how great our god is don't you know what that does to his heart i want to encourage you to be a part, engage in these these weekend drive-up gatherings because, ladies and gentlemen, this is our new normal. This is how we're going to be doing it for the foreseeable future. So I want to encourage you as your pastor to commit to it, okay? Be here every time you can be here. Invite people to join you and come to worship. I'd love next week if we had more people right here with their chairs up close and just worshiping the Lord. Of course, safe, safe distancing, but worshiping the Lord together. There's nothing like it. Next is fellowship with other believers. How can you love God whom you, whom you can't see if you can't love your neighbor who you do see? This is why we encourage everybody to, to join a Hills group, and they're going to be kicking off in the next several weeks again. And I want to encourage every single one of you to engage in, in one of those. And then there's serving, spiritual discipline of, of serving. Listen to me. There is no greater honor than to serve God and serve God's people. You may tell you, when you look around and you see people smiling and happy, you know who those people are? They're the people that are on a Hills team. They're the folks that are serving somewhere. There is nothing that lights you up and fires you up like serving with other people to, 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 to fulfill the purpose of God in the earth. So I want to encourage you. We'll be giving you more, more opportunities next week to be a part of our team because it takes a lot to do what we do here, and our team is doing great, and I want you to, I want you to be a part of that. And then there's the spiritual discipline of giving. This is tithes and offerings. You see, giving reminds us how much he gave for us. And it increases that love that we have for him. These spiritual disciplines are not there so we can just check a box each week and each day. How many have kind of lived your spiritual disciplines like that? Well, I prayed today. I read my Bible today. I I witnessed to somebody. I I go down the list. That's not why God placed these in our lives. God wants them to be part of our lives so that we can learn how to love him more. So that's why we encourage you to engage in these spiritual disciplines. Come on, just a few more minutes. Are you still with me? You're good? Thank you. (laughs) So first of all, We have to to understand that, that, that God is one. And then we understand that love is learned. The next way that we love God is this, to realize God's love for us. How do I love God more? Have a realization of God's love for us. I'm about to help some of you right now. Look at 1 John 4. We're going to read verse 10, skip to 16, and then to 19. It's in your notes. This is love, not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so we know or realize and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We love, verse 19, because he first loved us. I put a statement in your notes. We cannot love God or others until we know how much God loves us. Look at what Ephesians says. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Listen to this statement. We cannot fully love until we accept that we are fully loved. I want to destroy some myths tonight. I want to destroy some misunderstandings. This is the greatest trick of the enemy is to make you think that God does not love you or to make you think that he does not love you as much as he loves other people because of what they've done or what they haven't done. Listen to me. Look at me. Can I get on my tiptoes so you can see me? Can you see me? Look, God loves you where you are, how you are. He loves you too much to leave you that way, but he loves you the way that you are. He wants to be close to you. As my wife says all the time, God's not mad at you. Matter of fact, his blood has made you worthy of his love. So I want to encourage you to let God love you. Let him love you because he wants to. Let's jump back real quick to 1 John 4, 16. And we know, we realize, and then the fourth point, and we rely on the love God has for us. So how do I love God more? Realize the love God has and then rely on God's love for us. Lean on it. Depend on it. Trust in it. Matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, I would say that God's love is really all we have. Right? And God's love is really all we need. God's love for you is why he sent his son in the first place. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let me make one more statement that I want you to hear. I'm going to say it loud and clear. When God sent his son, he did not exhaust or expend his love for you. His love did not run out when Jesus said it is finished and the sins of the world were forgiven. There is no limit to his love. How high, how deep, how wide the love of God And you know something else? He loves you just as much today as he did the day that he sent his son to die for your sins. I love how Eugene Peterson's commentary says it, Romans 8 and 38. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing. Everybody say nothing. Come on, everybody say nothing. Nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Don't you love that? In other words, Jesus has embraced us so tight that nothing can get in between that. Now, that is a love that you can rely on. And When you realize his love, when you rely on his love, you're going to fall more and more and more in love with him. How many of you received this word this evening? Do you receive it? The love of God. Please honk away. That is not disrespectful. I love it, all right? Bow your heads. I want to pray for you. God, I'm praying for people right now in this, not in this room, on this parking lot, that do not have an understanding of the love of God. They don't have a comprehension of his love. They've never understood it. But, God, I pray tonight that you would reveal your love to them. That they could feel the warmth of your embrace. The precious love of God. We thank you for it, Jesus. I pray for those, God, that have been hurt. And because of that, it's impaired their relationship with you. Let them see beyond that. Let them forgive. Let them move on. And instead of looking at that hurt, that they would look to you. Because you are where our help comes from. I pray for those, God, that have been living for you for a while, following you. But, Lord, they've never experienced the lavish love of God. Baptize them with your love tonight. Right here in this parking lot. For those of you that have never started a relationship with Jesus, we give you a chance at the end of of nearly every service to make a commitment to, to Jesus Christ. No better night than a night that we talk about the love of God. How do I do it? The scripture tells us that if you believe in your heart that he is the Lord and you confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. Maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus. You want to do-over. Maybe it's stale and you haven't felt that passion. I want you to lean in today. If that's you today... I want to lead you in a prayer. I'd love for all of our Hills family just to join. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. And thank you for your grace. Thank you for this night. Thank you that I get to be a part of your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that you would accept me as I am. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your grace. Baptize me with your love. I give you all of my devotion in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody say, Amen. Come on, Hills family, let's celebrate with the folks tonight that prayed this prayer.